Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So we get a lot of questions and um, we ignore them. Uh, that's not true. Uh, Vanessa ignores them. I try to do, do uh, answer as many questions as I can. It's a full-time job. And so I convinced. Yeah, well, you also put a request out for questions. That's different. Like if I put a request out for questions, I try my best to get to as many as I can. The problem also with being a therapist on an Instagram is that you get a lot of DMs of people just like asking you therapy questions in your DMs. And first and foremost, that's not ethical or legal for me to respond, which is why I mostly ignore you all. But also, I don't have time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it why is it not ethical or legal? It's not ethical to give somebody therapy advice. Um, via dm it's not it's actually listed now well wouldn't you say that this or maybe is maybe it's legal not ethical but either way it's listed yeah i, I think uh, it's implied that this is not therapy if you're answering mm-hmm. people's dms <laughs> it's implied but anyway. anyway so we are here today and we are going to uh answer your questions and we're going to do it often because um it's important you know, we can't do, I mean, we can do lives, but not everybody gets to see that. So I like this idea of kind of tackling a few questions here and there on the podcast too. Also, don't you find that talking into a microphone is sometimes better? It allows you to, I don't know, when there's a camera on my face, um, I, I, I'm not as calm. I'm not like- You, you play able, with your hair a lot? I play with my hair. I, you know, I'm pinching <laughs> my nose. I have a fat nose. I, I, I'm also, I feel like I'm on- um, stage, so I have to perform and dance like a monkey. Well, if if with a podcast, it's like there's more room to just breathe, um, not worry about your hair, and uh, you know, focus on uh, answering questions instead of uh, tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. We uh, pull these up randomly, and so uh, 
you know, that we, we have not prepared. So uh, Vanessa doesn't know what I'm going to pull up and, and she may pull some up and I don't know. So here we go. Question one, what steps can I take to not being toxic in a relationship? And this is by, should I say who it's by? No. Okay. Because so. they're usually just usernames. Yeah. So what steps can you take to not be the toxic person in a relationship? Yes. Not what, what I, I, yeah, I'll go first. Um, don't pick toxic relationships. <laughs> no, no, no. They're asking if they themselves are the toxic person, what steps can they take to not be the toxic? Person? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. To, to, to not be toxic in a relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. You go first. <laughs> I need to um, buy time. Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot to this question, right? I think the first thing that comes up for me is there's a sense of self-awareness in this question. Um, maybe somebody has said something to them in the past, uh, or recently that made them think that they might be the toxic. And I, I say the word toxic, like if you could see me, I'm doing air quotes. I don't love that term. Um, I think all of us have issues and baggage and we all bring shit to the table in relationships. And unless somebody is like a full blown narcissistic personality disorder, I don't know that it's fair to call anybody or ourselves toxic. I'm, I'm really starting to push against that labeling, but that's an aside. Um, I hear a level of self-awareness in this. So I think that if you are the one that's starting to become aware of or worried about um, toxic tendencies that you're bringing into a relationship, that's great because that means that you've taken that first step, right? You're ready to look at yourself. I would say the second thing is going to be starting to unpack some of your patterns, right? Like getting maybe that third party, that coach or that therapist to start helping you look at some of the patterns that you know come up in relationships so that you can start to get underneath into the why, right? Like, why do you have these tendencies? Why do you have these patterns? It's really about building emotional intelligence, building a, your, your emotional resiliency. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is an exciting question in my opinion. And then, you know, the second thing I would say to that is you need to be in relationship, not necessarily romantic. It could be friend or family or whatever, but you need to be in relationship with somebody who is also safe enough for you to do your work with um, so that you don't feel attacked uh, or put down or whatever when you are trying to work through patterns or get to the bottom of things. So that's my response. I'm going to say, uh, simply put, look inward, you know, and uh, that, that's the beginning, I think. Uh, and, and that's also what, you know, Vanessa was saying when she's saying, um, be, getting, you know, being aware you, you, to be aware. I think you have to look inward, um, focus on your side of the bed. What are your unhealthy patterns? I also don't, I'm not a big fan of the word toxic. I'm not a big fan of the word issues. I'm not a big fan of the, the words doing the work. Um, you know, they were never, I, I it's not that, I, okay. So I'm only not a big fan of them because they're overused right? It's not because I don't like the words, um, but they've been overused so much that they kind of uh, one almost. Yes. And, but also they, be, they can become um, stains on people. They could, mm -hmm. they could become labels. They can make people feel that they are uh, defective or I don't, I don't like labels at all. So to stamp something as toxic, I, I, I don't really like, I like the word um, maybe healthy, unhealthy. I don't know, but because there's also uh, when, when you learning. talk about learning, <laughs> Growing, evolving. When you when you talk about quote unquote toxic, there's a, a spectrum there, right? It's yeah. not just a, a toxic or not toxic. There's a lot of gray. So um, the steps that you can take to not be in a toxic relationship, 
um, like obviously I was joking, but uh, not choosing toxic people. But I think um, working on yourself by looking inward, investigating unhealthy patterns, like Vanessa said, uh, why? Why do you do what you do? When you ask yourself why, you follow the thread down and you get to the core, you know, and then you process and work on that. It's never the stuff on the surface, right? It's, it's never like the behavior of throwing chairs. It's why you are getting so angry. If you just focus on the behavior, you're just putting, um, what is it? Uh, makeup it on? How, a pig? <laughs> makeup on a pig? No, that's not it. You're putting yeah, plaster. Makeup, makeup oh. on a, yeah, makeup on a pig or putting a bandit on a bullet hole, which is the one I always say. Yeah, that's a better one. I like the Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Makeup on a pig is kind of weird. That's the thing. <laughs> Found someone with everything I desire, but they are still an avoidant like all the others. Why? I mean, I take personal offense to that as an avoidant. <laughs> We're not that bad. <laughs> Maybe that's why I picked this question. Um, so my first reaction is you picked them. So take ownership in that. There's a 50-50 here, right? Like you're attracted to avoidance and avoidance are attracted to you. So there's kind of two people in this dynamic. Um, and and I think taking a little bit of the, the blame, even though I just gave you blame, taking a little bit of the blame off your shoulders and realizing that, you know, there's a lot of unconscious stuff at play here with attachment styles. Uh, there are reasons why, like, let's just say anxious avoidant are attached to each other or rather attracted to each other. Uh, they activate each other. Right. And that's kind of what the nervous system is constantly seeking. So um, this is another great way to say, what's the why? You got to follow the threads. Quick plug here. Uh, if you want to go deeper with attachment styles, check out the class deeper in the lab. It's a life class. <laughs> and yeah. and she, yeah, no, she's great. Tawny's great. Yeah. Yeah. Tawny knows a lot. And, and, you know, it was actually news to me. We had her on our podcast, mine and Danae's, and it was news to me that attachment styles more recently in research are showing there is like a huge spectrum, so much more nuanced than just like, you know, anxious, attached and secure. Right. So it, yeah, you should, you should definitely take her class. Still missing my ex wondering what if despite therapy, journaling, sweat, etc. it's been a year and 18 months. So um, it's been almost, oh, it's been two years. Why did they say a year and 18 months? Why didn't they it just say? It hasn't quite been two years yet. No, 18, 12 months is a year, babe. Oh, yeah. So, so, <laughs> two and a so, half years. Yeah, so I, I missed that too. So it's been, no, they not probably They probably have a kid. <laughs> so not two just, and a half years, 12. A year and 18 months. Is, yes. Isn't that two and a half six, years? Six. Oh, you're right. Okay, so they Vanessa <laughs> Vanessa and I are really bad at math, as as, if, uh, as you, you can tell. Um so instead of two and a half years, they said a year and 18 months. Yeah, they are speaking kid language. This is a parent. Anyway, still miss, missing my ex. Um, what do you think? What do you do if after two and a half years, uh, you are still wondering, you know, the what if with your ex, which is very common? Well, I mean, I'm going to give a very unpopular opinion here, but what can you do? You can't wave a wand and make yourself stop feeling. You can't wave a wand and make yourself get over whatever it is that you're trying to get over. Um, you're doing the things you're journaling, you're in therapy, you're trying to sit with it. Um, you know, I don't know this person, but I would ask like, are you really sitting with it? I mean, take a look at what you actually are quote unquote processing. Is there anything that you're avoiding kind of looking at and getting up on the table? Um, and are you dating? Honestly, I mean, 
I know for me, even if I didn't really want to, that was helpful. It was helpful to get out there and meet new people and just start getting excited again, even if it was just because I thought someone was hot, like it at least activated that part of my brain. So, I don't well, know. but you know what? Sometimes dating backfires in that um, it makes you, you miss the person more. <laughs> yeah, you 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 actually go out there and realize there aren't you know that many yeah. um, um, good catches, you know, and so you have a lot of disappointing experiences, and then you're like, oh shit, I, I really miss the one that got away or whatever, right? I don't believe in the Fair. one that got away, but. Um, here's my go-to. I say, what are you playing back? You know, that's the question mm -hmm. I ask. Are you playing back the, uh, highlight reel? Are you playing back things because you feel lonely or because you, you know, haven't experienced intimacy for a long time? Like, are you actually, cause there's a difference between missing someone, which is uh, mm -hmm. normal and building a relationship with someone. You have to play back the documentary. You have to play back why it didn't work because that's still there. The other thing is, as you're playing back memories, you're playing back memories from who you were when you were with that person, right? And of course, those memories are going to be amazing and magical, and, and you remember them to be, you know, um, all of that. Uh, and it's going to shoot a lot of dopamine. It's going to make you wonder why and what if, and is there another round? Um, but if you were to actually go back as you are now, uh, because you are different, it probably wouldn't be as magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and I don't know if that helps. I have another, I have another little tidbit to add to that, which is uh, when I was in therapy in my twenties, my first time in therapy. Um, and I was doing something similar with my college boyfriend, um, which at that time, I guess we had been broken up for, I don't know, a few years. I remember my therapist giving me this really interesting tip that has stuck with me, which was we walked through what was happening in my life during the time that him and I were together. And yes, he was a part of it, but all the other things. And, you know, for me, it was obviously a very pivotal time in my life, right? Like I got out of the house for the first time. I became an adult. I was, you know, in college, I moved cities. I had all these new experiences. I traveled the world. Um, and so she had me sit with this question of, is it really him, the person that you're missing, or are you missing a time in your life that he kind of represents? Mm, yeah. And that was really powerful for me because it kind of, it helped me detach the feeling of like longing and missing and regret and all these things that I was feeling to a time period instead of a specific person. Um, and that really helped me kind of process it in a different way. Here's the other thing. If you uh, took, for example, your college boyfriend and you picked him up and you placed him in your new setting. So right now you uh, baby you know, um, house, I mean, you, you obviously have more of a, uh, I don't know what the word is, domestic life than you did back in your, your <laughs> early, early twenties. Um, would that work? Because well, we tried it. Remember I told you, we actually did do that. We had a attempt at a second round and it actually a hundred percent didn't work for exactly the reason that you're saying. Well, I'm saying that because a lot of times it works in different environments. So, you know, um, if someone is, say, uh, in a band or or if you have uh, creative overlap or if it's a time in your life when you are, I don't know, nomadic or traveling and that person's on the same path, that can produce a lot of glue and connection right. and that could be exciting. But you know what? If, you know, 10, 20 years later, you're at a different place and now you're trying to build a, uh, a family or something, um, it may not work because it, it just worked because of the environment or that the 
the time that you guys were in your timing. Lab. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to kind of give a personal anecdote because I think it's helpful. Like when when my college boyfriend and I did try it a second time, um, let's say, I don't know, ten years later or whatever it was, uh, I was a very different person, right? Obviously, and so was he. And that was actually the number one reason that we were like, this can't go forward. Like this isn't going to go anywhere. It wasn't that we didn't still have love for each other because at this point I've known him and loved him for so long that he just has a place in my heart, right? Like as all of our first loves will. Um, But it was more like, let's be really realistic about this cannot work. Like we're just two different people in two different places in our life. And we're not compatible in that way that we were when we were like 20, right? And, And we were just really real about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do I have better intimacy when my partner struggles with it or, or it's as, as interested in it? So, um, I guess what she means, I guess is, we're talking sex, right? I don't know. I mean, intimacy, uh, actually this is from a man. How do I have better intimacy with my partner? Um, I'm just gonna, it's all written incorrect. Uh, like I write when my partner <laughs> struggles with it and is not interested in it. My first question is, is your partner going through something, you know, meaning has the intimacy always been like this or is this new? Yeah. And I I would ask too, like, when you say intimacy, are you meaning just sex? Because, you know, there's so much more to intimacy. So I think also it's worthy of sussing this out and saying like, are you seeking sex as a form of intimacy? Um, And if you are, that might be the reason why he or she are not interested or she, I don't know how she, he wrote it, but you know, um, sometimes if somebody's coming to you and all they want to do is have sex in order to connect, that can put you off from wanting to have sex. So yeah. like, are their needs being met? Right. Like ask if their emotional needs are being met. And if they're not, how can you meet their needs in other ways? Right. Like what's their love language, all that kind of stuff, because if they're not feeling connected to you, they're also not going to want to have sex. Here's what's difficult. Sex. I think Um, And this is a generalization, but you and I talked about this briefly in one of our episodes. Generally speaking, um, sex for men is more of a physical thing, impulsive thing. And and also, you know, when we finish, it's like that. So it builds and we have to, there's like this um, need and panic to release, right? I don't think we, I think we, hang on, I have to clarify here. It's not a more physical thing. I actually think that's a, a... a dangerous road to go down. It's not that it's more physical. It's just a different form of desire. I think that's what we were talking about during our last episode. Well, I'm, actually, I'm just... actually biologically, they've shown that there's not that much difference in, in it being physical between men and women. Well, I'm talking about just specifically the release, the okay. physical differences in release. So uh, okay. women can have multiple orgasms. Uh, I'm not saying they're not frustrated if they don't release. Men, it's just they have to release this once and then they, they can't have multiple orgasms. Or I don't know, maybe if you're, you know, sting and you're doing tantra shit for 12 hours, maybe, you know, but just like, you know, the average man. And of course, this is a generalization. Um, and because of that, uh, I mean, that being one piece, I think men are less focused on creating the space, uh, like you said, you know, making people feel safe, setting the mood, all of that because we're, 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 we're just interested in, in more of the physical act. I think women more so um, have to be in the mood. Like they, I think women need the buildup. Men are just looking for a release. And that's a very kind of extreme exaggeration. Yeah, um, so I like, actually disagree with you, but keep going. <laughs> generally speaking, and so that's why there's the disconnect. It's hard. It, it's, I, I agree that I agree that there has to be 
space for intimacy to be created. Um, you can't just force it unless both people are on the same page and that's what they're looking for in that moment. But I think the disconnect is men are looking more so. I don't think we need to gender it. I actually just think it comes down to what's the desire type, right? Which we talked about before. What's the, like, is their love tank full regardless of man or woman? Like, are they actually feeling loved and feeling like they're connected to you? Um, we don't have, we, we, should, we don't have to gender it, but how could you not take into consideration um, our just the way that we're wired and there's a difference in the way that we're, we're yeah we're but wired. i mean as a woman i've also been many times just totally wanting something physical for just a release and i could give two shits if i'm emotionally connected to somebody or have a build up sure first. yeah that's you why it's a saying? general that's why i'm saying it's a generalization that's why it's yeah. um broad strokes generally speaking but i i would say more but wouldn't you say more so i mean yes you've had those moments and urges but wouldn't you say overall you need to feel safe and feel connected and have that runway before you um, desire intimacy. Yeah, I guess it depends on the kind of sex I'm looking for. Right, and moment. so for me, it's different. Like, yes, of course, as a human being, I would want that, especially now that I'm 47, um, I would want that, right? I would want the connection, the intimacy, the foreplay, whatever. But um, I... Also, uh, I think because of my wiring, um, more so than you, it could just be a physical release. Can I can I just argue this point a little bit more? I just want to say that because I'm not an expert in this and in, in sex therapy and gender and biology of this stuff, I do believe that it's more socialized than it is biological. Sure. No, I mean I think that's a huge I do, factor. I think you're right. I think there's a biological component for sure. Bottom line. But I do think actually it's more socialized than we have even started to like begin to understand. Yeah. I mean, I could um, say, uh, I mean, I could say, you know, growing up, um, you know, since 12, uh, seeing images and, and things like porn has definitely impacted uh, my definitions and, and, and what I was trying to uh, create in my 20s. Not so much yeah. anymore, but in sure. my early days, right? Yeah. Um, and then you could also factor in uh, where people are you know um sexually kind of peaking yeah their age yeah i mean that component i can tell you that's a real thing i mean when i was in my 20s i would think about sex 95 percent of the day now that i'm 47 i think about food i think about <laughs> i think about swimming pools done in life like 95% well, of your day. <laughs> well, you know what? When I was that age, one of the things that made me angry was, uh, and again, I get it, it's a generalization, but I would be like, this is unfair because we have to deal with our fucking boners and, you know, the wind blowing and, 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 and all that and the blue balls and all that. And women aren't thinking about sex, especially at that age, that much. And so, you know, hence the frustration and all of that. Um, but women do uh, peak later, so um, I don't know I don't, what is it. Thirty. I think that that's been disproven too. I'm I'm just poking at your theories here because I actually just want to be like really super open about the fact that a lot of this stuff is social. It's not. It's actually been disproven. It's a lot of like theoretical shit that we've been taught to believe, and so much of this stuff has been completely disproven in the last like five ten years. Well, I I know 
I mean, you could speak for you. Yeah, I know that I'm a, although I am uh, generally a sexual, uh, kind of a highly sexual person. I know the arc of it. I I feel it in my body that I'm very mm-hmm. different now than I was at, in my 20s. And and uh, I don't know, you know, what it is like for women, but I think that they have an arc too. I don't think from 20 to 40 it's consistent and the same. I think it it, it changes. I also think it depends on where you're at in your life and how much stress you have. Yeah, I think that's probably a bigger component to it. Okay, but what I mean, was bio- the question? biology, you're right. I mean, bottom line, we all age and the aging definitely contributes to our, our sex drive. And if you're talking biology, as men get older, they lose testosterone, they gain estrogen. As women yes. get older, they gain testosterone, they lose estrogen. So there's that component to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, staying away from gender and, and um, generalizations, I mean, just bringing it back to you and your relationship, yeah. um, I would talk about it. Yeah, right? I mean- I totally agree. I mean, what, like I said, like are, are her needs being met, right? Like what does she feel as intimacy? Like having these questions, I think are, are these, these conversations are really important. And I, and I've learned that not having sex isn't about sex. Usually right. not having sex and intimacy. If that is missing, there's stuff happening underneath and there's a reason why that's missing. It's not a sexual thing. Right. Agreed. Generally speaking, it can be, but usually it's um, an emotional thing. Usually there's there's um, some kind of disconnect, uh, maybe resentment, maybe tra- uh, trust has been cracked. You know, there's all these other things that are foundational in the relationship that gets people to not want to um, be intimate with the other person or at least, uh, you know, put it on the back burner or, or that isn't a priority. Um, it's not just time or sex. Right. Well, guys, thank you for your questions, and we will continue to um, answer more and uh, disagree. And <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Healthy disagreement is good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, I don't think um, I, I think it's annoying if you're talking to, especially a couple, and they're just like, uh huh, yep, uh huh. And it's like, I don't need you. I don't. I don't need this shit in stereo. I want to hear different perspectives, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think it would be boring if you and I agreed on everything. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.